Welcome back to Trending in Education. Dan Stratford, Michael Palmer, Brandon Jones along with you. And on this week's episode, we're talking about the myth that we only use 10% of our brain. Oh, we've talked about myths in the past. We enjoy debunking them, and that's what we'll be doing here today. Mike, are you ready to debunk some mythology here on today's episode? I am, and I've I've specifically activated uh, 12% of my brain for this show. So you, you're... <laughs> Yes. So like you're going to get some higher quality insights from me. Uh, I don't want to go up too high because then I run a little hot uh, and then uh, right. and then I may wind up passing out. But um, right now I'm operating in the, the 11 to 13 percent zone. So. Now, Brandon, you've seen Mike when he operates a virtual memory too high. So I don't want to see that happen today. But I know the smoke starts coming out of his ears. <laughs> his eyes roll back in his head. Um but uh, yeah, well, I'm I'm glad you're bringing it. Yeah, there's a lot. I think trying. there's a, there's gonna be a we're, we talked about percents. You brought percents in your opening comment. I did. There's gonna be a lot of them. A lot of math. So hey, if you like percents, yeah, this is the episode for you. Maybe uh, you know, get out your uh, scratch pad and uh, and your pencil because I know many of our listeners. It's a comment we've heard from you. Yeah, uh, those of you who like listening with a scratch pad. And some pencils. It's like 105 percent of like our audience. Most of our yeah. audience. Yeah. But uh, but get ready. There's some math coming. Uh, warning, warning. Uh, let's uh, basically define it first, right, Mike? Uh, the uh, myth has been relevant in pop culture and uh, even in science since uh, late 1800s, right? Uh, where a study at Harvard sort of begat this entire uh, conversation. Uh, if you could, uh, some background here uh, on uh, the who's and the why's and how it's uh, still to this day something many adults and many teachers even believe. Yeah, so... Uh uh, roughly 65% of, uh, of uh, Americans, I believe, uh, believe that we use uh, only 10% of our brains. Um, and uh, is it 10? Do, do you think the opposite is true? Is it 10% of Americans think we use 65% of our brains? <laughs> That's interesting. Yes, well. I hadn't really thought about mm -hmm. that. That's math. Yeah. But um, I don't believe that's the case. But hey, they're all myths. So maybe you're starting a new myth. I might be. Yeah. Go but, tell a friend. Go tell a friend. But, uh, but the idea that uh, we only use 10% and that roughly 90% of our brains are like dormant, uh, just there, uh, just kind of hanging out. Uh, is, is in fact false. Uh, if you think about the percentage as the percent uh, that is used over like a typical time period. So in a, any given day, we're all using more than 10% of our brains. Uh, so that that's actually uh, true. We're using more than 10%. What is interesting related point though, is that at any given point in time, we're only using between one and 16% of our brains. So our brains are typically dark and then uh, we're only using limited parts of our brains at any point in time. So, uh, you know, if you're using 100% of your brain, uh, the only time that really happens is during uh, an epileptic seizure. Uh, so in many ways, what makes our cognitive functioning higher level is the fact that uh, we're only using limited parts of our brain activity at any point in time. Um, so, so I thought that was interesting. And then the actual genesis of the myth itself is a bunch of Harvard cats. Uh, so William James, uh, the, the, arguably the father of modern psychology, uh, who was uh, really the leading psychologist, kind of founded the field out of Harvard in the, the late 1800s. Um, he got to know this, uh, this other guy, uh, Boris Sidus, who had a son uh, named William James Sidus. And uh, the kid was such a prodigy 
that uh, William James uh, named uh, or, or basically described this, this child as an example of uh, the fact that we all use just a, a scintilla of our full uh, cognitive capacity. And, uh, and uh, yeah, there's a lot of interesting stuff in terms of the history. As uh, I believe you, you're familiar with Harvard uh, University in some capacity. I've heard of it. Yes. Yeah. 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 Uh, My, why does it say so? The so um, the psychology building at Harvard is named William James Hall. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And when I was a little short on uh, on cash, I used to I, like I did a bunch of psychology experiments there. <laughs> really? As a subject? Yeah. For like. <laughs> Uh, maybe like three months um, before graduating and then after graduating, like that was my sole source of income. <laughs> so I would like leave one psych experiment and go right back to right. the next one. Have you, do you go back and look for experiments that you're, you were cited in? I, yeah, I, I think it was all anonymous. Uh, um, but I, I do, I, I always wondered what became of it because then you get into thinking like, are they really measuring yep. the thing that they're testing right. you on or some? other thing right that they're using the thing that they're testing on as a distraction well, who knows who knows um but uh yeah i i, I so i i like all the all the harvard action in this that's happy making um but uh william james i think this is just a crazy lot of, of james stuff going on oh so there's God. william james yes brother of henry james the yes. author um who is he's the the father of this myth because he's citing the capability, extraordinary capabilities of his godson yes. who was named after him, yes. who also is at Harvard or is a, eventually gets to eventually Harvard when he's 11. It. Yes. Um, that's, that's just all sorts of, and, and from this, all we got was something that's not right. Right. Thanks. Thanks, William James. Although he never said 10%, which is why like- Just a scintilla. Well, I, I might've even made up scintilla as That's a, not a direct quote. A direct quote. Yeah. It was, I was paraphrasing. Do we know where the 10% came from? I think it came afterwards, right? Yeah. Oh, so over time, he basically said he's not using, uh, we're not using all of our brains. He's using more of his brain than we are. Yeah. And that's like, attaboy, that's, that's my godson. Yeah, right. That's a little bit of attaboy. Yeah. And then it does say, uh, I am quoting from Wikipedia here just to read it directly. Uh, American writer Lowell Thomas summarized this idea in a forward to Dale Carnegie's How to Win Friends and Influence People by adding a falsely precise percentage. Mm. Professor William James of Harvard used to say, that the average man develops only 10% of his latent mental ability. Mm-hmm. So that, that was falsely been. attributed to yep. William James? Yes, sir. Huh. And it's also like, if you add a percent to anything, it sounds scientific. This, is, you- this is a myth wrapped up in a percentage wrapped up in bacon. I, I like this. This is exciting. It is. Um, but you were, you, were, you were saying, Mike, this, this myth is kind of debunked. Yes, it's, it's mostly debunked. Like it depends on how you define the percent, right? So like if you're going to say the percentage of our brains that are active at any given point in time mm. is 10%-ish. Yeah. That's pretty accurate. Right. Because we use between 1% and 16% at any given point in time. This doesn't sound like debunking. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's like bunking. That's bunking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, but the part that's bunk is that… Different bunk. Yeah, 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 yeah. Top is bunk. that we only use 10% of our brains right. and then the rest of our brains are just almost like spare tires. And, like, <laughs> and it's not- You should see my brains. But evolution doesn't work that way. We're like actually allowing that much dead weight to be uh, you know, kicking around in our noggins is, is biologically inefficient. Mm. Uh, so instead you're using different aspects of your brain at all points in time. 
uh, it does take us back to our old friend of the show. <laughs> oh, uh, old Finn, friend. Phineas Gage. Yes. Right? So Phineas Gage, uh, Railroad Spike to the Brain. For those of you who haven't heard Brandon's... Uh, Brandon's uh, I've waxed poetic waxed, on Phineas you, Gage. You've waxed some sure poetry yeah. about one Phineas Gage uh, who became ornery. Ornery. Uh, ornery after being impaled through his head with a railroad spike. As you do. Yeah. And, uh, you know, your take, which is now mine, is like, wouldn't you be? Right. Right? Yeah. They, they, the scientific community came around Phineas Gage and said, oh, I realized what must have happened was that his personality changed yeah. as a result of this lobal damage. Yeah. Or maybe it was just that he was ornery yeah. after getting a railroad spike through the head. Railroad spike through your brain. In, it was like in one ear and out the other and yeah. not a metaphor. It was in one chin and out the top of your yeah, head. Yeah, that's is, so bad, that or, seems. Or maybe it came in through his face. I don't yeah. know. But, uh, <laughs> but however it happened, it was tough. But, uh, but the interesting thing was at the time, uh, scientists didn't understand what the, the cerebral cortex, the prefrontal cortex was used for. And a lot of the neurology research that over the years has been well, if you damage this part of the brain, people can't do this other thing. So therefore, that part of the brain is attributable to people doing this other thing. Right. What they found over time was that you could mess with all parts of your gray matter, your cerebrum, and uh, people were pretty okay due to the lovely quality we call neuroplasticity. Uh, so, uh, so since our brains are flexible and can adapt to uh, impairment, by, you know, physical like lesioning or ablations, to your brain, uh, a lot of a bleeding of mouse brains in psychology labs, in addition to, to talking to Brandon, uh, that, that, that's also happened. <laughs> yeah, Hopefully you, there was no ablation uh, in your research. There may have been. Yeah. I'm, I'm, there's like a, a period that's hard for me to remember <laughs> from some have, of those experiments. It may have blotted it out. I was, this is off topic a little bit, yeah. but I was watching a nature show mm -hmm. from the, the program Nature. Yes. Um, with uh, my daughter this weekend uh, from our last episode on screen time. This was also, I hope, an appropriate use of screen. Yeah. Um, and uh, we were watching about squirrels, mar the marvelous world of squirrels. And the thing that's relevant here is that the squirrel's brain, first of all, squirrels, incredible. Yeah. They, they can remember like the, the location they think from this experiment that's been done of like 8,000 individual nuts that they've buried. I've, I've heard of squirrels that they got to get a nut. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. But the thing that is interesting here is that the squirrels' brains actually grow in size during the winter. Huh. Okay. That their, it, their, it, it, their brain actually expands huh. in its capacity to expand in its capacity. Wow. Yeah. Wacky. Yeah. So, I, I mean, I think that the 10% um, the of our brains, yeah. I think we're using like 100% of a squirrel's brain. Well, um, yeah. But uh, it's, it's, it's super misleading because I think that the, in the 65%, I, I imagine there's a big percentage of those people who don't quite get how the brain is constructed. Right. Right. And so um, they're thinking, why wouldn't we just use 100%? And I guess when we do use 100% of our brain capacity at a given time, that's bad news. Right. Because then we have bad outcomes. Yeah. Because the brain is like brain activity and there's this idea of sparse coding mm. uh, that is related where like it's, it's not so much which parts of the brain are active. It's more how, how activity moves through the brain. And a lot of that is most like the brain's mostly dark most of the time. And then there's just sort of little patterns of activity. And then those are constantly 
sort of moving through the different circuitry of the brain. And like those patterns are where like cognitive and experiential perceptual activity happens. So like if your brain were to light up 100% at one point in time, in some ways you'd be passing less information than by like the pattern, patternicity of different areas, the majority of it being dark and different sort of flaring of activity happens. By the way, that lets me talk about uh, functional MRIs and positron emissions tests, both of which are really freaking cool. So that's, that's like the, the, the mapping of the brain and you can see like the different uh, yeah. like patterns of activity, plus it has positrons in it. It's pretty good. That's cool stuff. Yeah. And like that's where a lot of this research is heading and it's all showing um, it's like by the end of the day, your brain has like sort of uh, competed in a, a mental decathlon, but at any given point in time, there's only really one or few events. It's a good happen. analogy. Thank How you. about this? Yeah. Brain research. Yeah. It's heady stuff. <laughs> uh, that might oh. be the last thing other than <laughs> this thing that I say. Drop that mic? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, think it's, I think it's interesting though um, around the – Usage. I wonder if uh, the you know we talked about uh, mental athletes, yeah, and memory palaces and um, different uh, memory techniques. I wonder if there is those mental athletes are actually or William James uh, Citus, mm -hmm. if they are were act were actually actively using a higher right. percentage of their brain. Yes. Um, yes, you also wonder. Or yes, you believe that they were. Uh, I think, yes, this is an interesting area. Okay, got about. it. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I used, I, I was, you may also know. Oh, um, yeah, yeah. But like, I, because I, I do think that there is, it's silly to think we should be using 100% of our brain. Right. Um, at any given time. Right, right. It's interesting to think about if purposeful use of um, how your brain is wired, built, et cetera, um, can yield you better outcomes in whatever it is that you're trying to pursue, mental athletics or yep. whatnot. Uh, if that, I think using the same percentage scale as maybe gets us down to this myth hole, but um, uh, is better, right? Like if, if that's, if you're actually using some more capacity and that's delivering you better outcomes, I think that's interesting. A hundred percent. There it oh, is. You see what I did? You, I sure did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But, but, but the point uh, why I said yes was like, I liked where you were going uh, with that too. Cause like, if you're talking about intelligence and like, relative intelligence and like a savant who is maxing out her intelligence in say music is likely not at a hundred percent everywhere, but it also gets to the notion of uh, G uh, it's just the G thing mm. uh, really, which is uh, generalized intelligence, which is where artificial intelligence is having a harder time keeping up with generalized human intelligence. And I think that was more the context that, uh, that the original uh, W.J. Uh, W.J., the O.G. William James, uh, his O.G. Uh, was about G, I think, to a certain extent, which is like, G, this kid's smart. <laughs> how does my namesake, my godson, how does he get into Harvard at nine and then attend at 11 when it took me until I was like 17 or however old, uh, you know, William James foggy. was? by the time he went there. So it is sort of that aspirational notion of intelligence and, um, you know, sort of ranking percentiles, uh, which is a big part of standardized testing and a lot of that kind of stuff. I think there's more truth 
to that understanding of this yep. than there is to actual brain usage. Right. Because even like, who knows whether, you know, in some ways the sparse coding and the way the brain works, maybe it's that really, really intelligent folk are uh, shutting down all brain activity except for the most essential cognitive functions. And obviously, you know, like the ability to breathe. Of course, yeah. Like those bloodstream and all that. Those are helpful. But, um, but, but I thought it, I, I liked where you were going just in terms of contrasting brain activity and intelligence and the idea that many of us have untapped intellectual capabilities uh, that could be further realized with help. That's true. Yeah. How much and how to turn it into a percent gets a little fuzzy. Yeah, I, I think that... Um, the one thing that, uh, or uh, another thing that uh, I was thinking about, though, is um, optimization in certain on, on certain dimensions uh, may yield um, uh, atrophy in other dimensions. So, um, you know, for for William James Sidus, the 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 godson, uh, I like the I read in a line somewhere that he was known first for his precocity. Yes, and then soon thereafter for his eccentricity sure. you know he like had to go live in the wilderness i mean he was he was asserting that was the best choice yeah but um you know he did get into harvard at 11 and you know thought he could have been there at nine and was lecturing to graduate students at age 12 and um you know the, so his father boris and and his godfather had uh, done good work to make him a real savant but it it did hinder him, uh, I think, in, in some other ways. And mm -hmm. so, you know, I think about um, even when you're using all of your capacity on one dimension, I, I, there's, there's, that's a choice. It's a choice to not be sending uh, little uh, Billy um, out, Billy, <laughs> William James Titus, out to like play wall ball, as we've talked about before. Right. You know, I don't know if they had wall ball back in, in 1890s or whatever. Right, but, right. Um, you know, like it's, it's optimizing along one dimension, which, which may be not optimal overall. Yeah, totally ties to uh, social emotional learning and the othering of the savant. You know, the, the nerd as outcast uh, is all very much part of popular culture, in part because it's real. Mm -hmm. um, but it is interesting to understand how, you know, uh, Billy Sidus might be founding uh, a tech company if he were growing up uh, today and he would have the wherewithal of a couple of Harvard alums to, to kind of help, help him get started. Um, it's also interesting, uh, just to harken back to last week, how much, how much screen time, uh, you know, uh, makes sense versus sending the savant out into the woods uh, where we're free from all those corrupting uh, influences. Not free from all those squirrels. Including other humans. I got another really quick percentage point uh, to make. Um, the percent of the brain, uh, so sorry, the brain is 2% of our biomass and consumes 20% of our uh, energy. What a hog. Big hog. And you know what kind of food the brain loves? fatty food and mm -hmm. carbs. So the brain also loves junk food. So like if we were up to the brain, we would just be like mainlining uh, Twinkies and uh, Doritos and soft Why drinks. Why didn't I know this growing up? I this should know. have been my excuse it's, all I, along. Come on, I lived, I lived the best brain life then. Uh, I think uh, we may have had the Billy Sidus chair instead of the Elon Musk chair. It might have been the, the Billy Sidus chair. true. Yeah. I do want to, uh, as we close, and Mike Brenner, if you have a, a take on this, love to hear it. Uh, we did discuss the idea of Lucy, the movie Limitless, uh, another movie. The idea that this myth has perpetuated in science fiction. Um, I think 
mostly, Mike, it's almost aspirational, right? We all want to believe we can do more with our brains and we all want to believe there is some sort of uh, ability to control things with our mind and create things that way because it's this science fiction notion. Uh, do you see it that way? And do you see that as sort of that persistent storytelling that we all want to be able to say, oh yeah, I use 15% of my brain or I use 20% of my brain because I'm, I'm advanced or I took this pill or whatever it might be. That's a good question. Now I'm up at about 13% of my brain based on that question. I'm running, I'm running a little hot. I'm running a little hot. I might need, I might need some uh, pop, pop soda uh, to, to kind of feed my brain. But um, I think it is interesting when you start, one thing we talked a lot about is neuroprosthetics and uh, uh, performance enhancing anything. Uh, humans constantly seek that out. And we definitely seek it, seeking it out. We're seeking it out for a cognitive edge all the time. And like whether that's requiring a pill or uh, a kind of cognitive hack or even some sort of uh, surgery or different diet, um, everybody's looking for an edge and we're all looking to improve ourselves. So it is in many ways uh, a precursor to growth mindset in that, you know, you're only using 10% of your brain. Um, get after it now. You got, you got 90% of, uh, of action to be uh, accessed if you could just open it up. Um, and then interestingly, just the narratives around, um, you know, does, is that through a pill? Is that through right. uh, some sort of genetic uh, engineering? Is that through some sort of prosthetic of sorts? Uh, I think that stuff's all uh, fascinating. And that'll do it for this episode. More to come on this topic in the future. Uh, special thanks as always to Brandon and Mike. Great content from them. Find us on Twitter. Find us on Facebook at Trending in Ed. And of course, trendingineducation.com. Till next time, you've been listening to Trending in Education. Trending in Education.